welcome to Jam Sessions, a podcast presented by Think Jam, a leading entertainment marketing agency based in London and LA. I'm your host, Alex Robson, and today I'm joined by my co-host, Aaron Kelly, the Senior Director of Think Jam. How are you doing, Aaron? Good, thanks, Alex. How are you? I'm all right. How's, uh, how's being at home working for you? Uh, it's working for me great it's working less for my wife because we've got two kids but um, that's a conversation for a different day <laughs> and a different podcast <laughs> there you go yeah that one's, a, that one's late this afternoon <laughs> so uh, we also have some guests joining us today as well don't we brilliant yeah we do we've got Ollie and Zach here from uh, Even uh, hi boys how you doing yeah doing good thanks how's so, it going so even uh, I, I've known these guys a while. Uh, even are a Brighton-based uh, video production company uh, that create um, awesome uh, social video content for brands and clients all over the world. We've worked with them, partnered with them through ThinkJam a few times, um, but thought they'd be great to join today's topic of uh, content capture post-COVID, since they um, they capture a lot of content. And so uh, we've got them here today to to join the topic. Absolutely, yeah. Um, and how are you guys uh, dealing as well as I asked Aaron? How's everything working out for you working from home? Yes, it's all right. It's the same as same as Aaron, but minus one child. So I've got one, not two. But um, yeah, just a juggling act, isn't it? But I, like we were saying already, it's just kind of you get more and more used to working out how that all slots together. Yeah, I think it's um, mostly like feeling fairly normal, or at least I've found it normal within this kind of new schedule. It's definitely... Um, Sometimes a bit of a struggle to work from home, depending on the projects we're doing. Uh, but yeah, I'm I'm feeling good. I'm enjoying it. It's a new way of working, and I think it's probably going to change the way we work in the future. Well, that's what we're going to talk about. That was a good segue. Thank you very much. Um, <laughs> it is, yeah. It's how we're going to all handle this in production in the future, because obviously. Um, some countries, including the UK, are starting to implement that as social distancing rules and applying in skeleton crews and stuff. So um, that's what I wanted to chat with you guys about. So I suppose what we'll do is, uh, since there's four of us in total on the podcast today, I'll ask questions and you guys can put in different points from your point of view um, But so we don't talk over everybody. Uh, I suppose uh, I'll start with you, Aaron. What do you think is going to be the biggest barriers uh, to doing shoots post-COVID? Uh, well, I think you've already said it. It's social distancing, right? So I think it's, um, you know, I think there's, there's travel is going to be a big thing, but I think the bigger thing would just be the proximity of people working around you. Um, I've never really been on a shoot where there isn't large crowds of people uh, gathering around the camera, looking into a lens. There's going to be a lot more monitors, that's for sure. So there's there's lots of uh, lots of stuff to be figured out. I think you know we saw this week the the TV uh, guidelines came out separate to that. The British Film Industry released their guidelines. They're all relatively similar in the sense of having health checks on site, which I think makes sense. Uh, Travelling less, which is you know semi inevitable. But I think the really interesting development will just be how do people work uh, without being cl- close proximity to each other. Um, thinking about. You know, new technologies and monitors and live streaming and how do you kind of separate out large groups of people from breathing into each other's uh, faces all day long because that's generally how people make content pretty much <laughs> and how about you guys Ollie Zach what do you think is going to be some of the biggest barriers doing sheets yeah I think all of the above that Aaron was saying really I think from our point of view we're, we're a slightly different level in terms of the crew size we need so I think all those guys when they're rocking up with like 50, 70, 100 people and trucks and loading stuff in and 
makeup teams. I don't even know how you start to even work through all of those issues. But for us, the main thing would be would be travel. I think a lot of our stuff we were kind of we were on location a lot of the time. We were not really a studio based production company. Lots of our stuff is live on location. Even up till lockdown, we'd kind of travelled four or five times out into different countries to kind of shoot stuff. So for us, that travel thing is going to be really interesting to see how that plays out. But I'm kind of like Zach was saying, there's something incredibly exciting in some ways about it because the whole industry's just got a shift. You have to just adapt and mould and make the best you can for the situation. And we're going to have to be consuming different content and creating different content. I think I think a shift that's relatively inevitable is the size of the crew, right? Because you touched on it there. Like you yeah. guys shoot with small crews. Almost every project that Think Jam does is with small crews, but you've still got unnecessarily large crews of 40, 50 people. So that's sort of inevitable. Inevitably going to have to shrink a little. And I think it's going to be interesting, isn't it? Because you kind of can implement that stuff, but you don't even know how it's going to... It just goes into every facet of it, even just people's psychology of it in terms of how they're going to feel on set, how are the actors going to feel, how are the crew going to feel. They want to, just, they want to get it done and leave straight away. Are they going to be able to relax into it and even feel creative? Or is the pressure around it going to be so much that it completely hampers people's ability to actually even get, create good stuff? Because yeah. so yeah. stressed around it. I think there's just so, so, so many things that mm. factor into it. On the kind of flip side of that, though, I do feel like it might give a little bit more creativity to the creators in terms of like they're basically handed a lot more control because they need to be the crew that go and do it and there might not necessarily be um, you know several people representing the client on board they have to just trust your kind of workflow a bit more at least in like isolation that's the way it seems a little bit and I guess it's not going to go for like to normal so there might be a I don't know in a, in a, on a slightly positive note it might give like bit of freedom back to the creators I think is, I think that's fair obviously you shoot Zach so what, what you're basically saying is you just want everyone to leave you the heck alone back off <laughs> <on. laughs> and let you do your thing <laughs> on, on like a technical note do you think if we take the you know you guys were shooting in New York only a few weeks before lockdown and shooting on the subway in quite tight spaces do you do you think you could do that shoot and use longer lenses and stay, you know, a few meters away from talent and give talent their space and still achieve the same sort of like, I guess, intimate quote unquote content. I think the actual shooting would be very similar. I just think obviously the, all, all the people getting the talent um, in the right places at the right time would be the trickier part. But in terms of like once they're there and shooting with them, um, it's definitely a, you can, you, can, you can do it in a safe distance for sure, I think. What do you think, Ollie? Yeah, I think for the moment you're rolling to your cutting. I think the actual, you're not really ever that close to them unless you're shooting kind of close-up product stuff that we'd have to work around. But I think even just like moving around cities and stuff, you're jumping in Ubers and taxis. and That's the real task, yeah. And then, you, like you say, you've got kind of representative there that are looking after the talent that are kind of standing over your shoulder. So it's, it's definitely, there's, again, there's going to be parts of it that we'll have to figure out. But I think in terms of actually capturing the content that wouldn't th change that much what do you think are some sort of trends or possibly ideas that could get around these barriers it's a great question I guess if you go wider and wider then kind of there's so much more especially with TikTok the user generated content nowadays on, on short form stuff is just kind of it's just blown up because almost like Zach was saying the creator's in control of it and they shoot it 
and they do it and the kind of it feels a bit more bootleg people are almost accepting a bootleg now in a way their the professional quality is kind of people don't need it in the same way I, I think I can see more like live streams I, I read something over the weekend about um, video villages being live streamed so the idea that you could be shooting out in the field let's say with three people and you could have a live feed going back to a client's office or a producer's station which could be 10 minutes away or it could be the other side of the world and they could be providing live feedback I think that that would be really interesting to see because this you know this idea that everyone has to be everyone who's involved in the decision process has to be on set kind of doesn't really need to be a thing mm. sort of almost like a halfway house to what you were saying Zach where like the creator is in control even if the creator is not in full control and let's just say it's like a more traditional DP you don't necessarily have to have the director breathing down his neck to be right there to be able to give like live feedback I think it'd be really interesting to see if, you know, some of the bigger sort of camera companies develop sort of sort of more sophisticated live comms systems, so you could provide you know feedback and stuff, and and you could be looking at the monitor, um, further away. I think that'd be really interesting. I would think um, what you guys are saying as well, and just uh, having trust in the creators. I mean, I think that's a workaround as well is having to understand that you're hiring these professionals to do a job that you ensured them to do basically. And mm. having that trust and faith, and I'm sure there's ways that you can dial in clients and there's uh, video outputs that you can use to then demonstrate what you're doing. But yeah, it, it is a good point not having clients on set because obviously their feedback is most important because you want to be able to make sure you've got everything whilst on set because there's nothing worse than going back and realizing you didn't capture something that was needed and then trying to do it all over again is obviously um quite tricky so yeah that's obviously another thing to take into consideration because we just had we had that um recently we kind of just did a job in the last few days actually our first one since kind of the lockdown was eased and it was definitely that it was definitely very detailed storyboards beforehand making sure that kind of everything that could be variable was almost kind of signed off so we, we all kind of knew the score and then also whilst we were on location capturing stuff just had a whatsapp group set up with all kind of all parties that needed to have a say and then gave them time frames of when we'd need um kind of comments back by and then we were just sending the setups and the frame setups and sending them back and forth just to make sure that everyone was happy yeah. Shout out WhatsApp. Yeah, come on WhatsApp. Yeah. <laughs> it, it's it's interesting though because the way the way you say it there really is like it's quite fascinating because it's almost like you're learning from the parts of the bigger productions that make sense, but then ditching the parts of the bigger production that don't make sense. Meaning like the bigger productions are going to have to go to quote unquote skeleton crews. I mean most TV and film skeleton crews are like triple the size of a digital crew so it's already like a sort of balance there so crews get smaller and the more traditional style of production moves further and further towards where digital's been for a while but equally uh, the digital run and gun style whenever a brand or a client or a film studio is involved will have to you know get more on board with scripting and storyboarding and having more pre-production and pre-planning uh, see I've been at home for nine weeks and I forgot how to speak <laughs> yeah. um, <laughs> Which is quite interesting because in the end it's kind of like a, it's all, you know it's kind of like a morph of both, isn't it? It's like it's 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 the best parts of planning, but with the sort of move fast um, and not be held back by three rigging trucks and five makeup trucks and all the rest of it. I think so, yeah, I think it's interesting thin, thinning out of what's actually needed. 
when you kind of when you scrape it all away and then you work out what do you need to actually get done what you want to get done absolutely and you end up I mean, how, how do you think this will affect content overall just gets worse I think <laughs> yeah I think that's definitely like like when you watch um, when you watch the TV and you can tell that it's like a home studio setup you just kind of accept it even though you're used to watching watching it all be presented in like this huge this huge big broadcasted room um, you can, yeah I think there's probably more of like an un, like a tolerance I don't know if tolerance is the right word of kind of um, maybe acceptance yeah. maybe it's, yeah, acceptance. yeah, yeah. Acceptance. of like it's like a new a new level of authenticity I guess which is a good a good way to look at it but, but yeah I think things will become a little bit more uh, homemade in some it's, ways it's, it's interesting though isn't it because when you see like one of the talk shows with the talk show host is from home hmm when you see the, it's interesting because when you see the talk shows shot from home and there's no audience, it really lacks the layer, which I find really interesting. Because it does when you, draw a lot of the energy out of it. Yeah, and then when you watch something like Carpool Karaoke, now granted, there's two people in the cast, there's still things to be figured out, but there's no audience in that, and it still works. So it's really interesting mm. to think about. I mean, they have like a laugh track, don't they? But it's interesting to think about how there's some ideas that just lend themselves really well to being in a sort of confined space, and other ideas that are. Uh, trickier or, or, or like a real tangible example is you know Jimmy Fallon Graham Norton all those guys broadcasting from home doesn't have the same feel but the stuff that John Krasinski's doing on his with his YouTube Some Good News I think it's called um, works really well and it's kind of like the same thing but it's just like slightly structured differently slightly different tone um, so I feel like all of those sort of things will just fold into how content is that the, the people who are stronger at carrying a one man show that don't need all those other bits, it, it'll work better. I, I, I'm fascinated to see what happens with talk shows, if they're going to just separate the audience, if they're going to have longer couches, bigger gaps. I don't know. It's mm. going to be interesting to see if anyone even still cares in three months. Maybe they just get to go back. I think, yeah, I think there's loads of points. I think the first point Zach made in terms of you start to accept it as the new normal, it's amazing how quickly you adapt, even to the reverse effect where you watch a film or a TV show and they're, they're not socially distancing and there's a, there's a little trigger in your body and your brain that's like what is that yeah yeah you feel uneasy and then you kind of you it's amazing how quickly we adapt and settle into what the new normal is but then on the flip reverse i reckon like graham norton has had a team around him for 20 30 years yeah so, so whereas the new boys around that know how to use that medium and know that it has always been them with the dslr in their garage and like bootlegging it it feels like they know how to own it whereas when graham's having to kind of Zoom someone and have someone on a Zoom call, have someone on Skype. It feels so unnatural that he's probably they probably doesn't, don't make it work. Yeah, it's fully closed the gap between YouTubers and TV presenters. Mm. Massive because yeah, I've definitely seen stuff where I'm like, oh, I feel like yeah, the YouTubers. Oh, well, they've been in, the, in that space. They've been in it for longer and they've kind of figured it out. And but they're almost better the timings. Yeah, better, more comfortable, understand mm. their market, know how to not exploit, but know how to use YouTube and make sure they've got a fan base in a different way. Like I'm sure I don't know why I keep dropping his name in, but I can't think of like a Graham Norton fan base isn't going to be following him really on social in the same way that someone's following Logan Paul or David Dobrik. Let's uh, let's move on before Ollie gets too obsessed with no, I'm joking. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I think it's fair. I also think like we haven't seen tons of examples, but the few times when you've seen 
let's call them digital creators to go sort of broader than YouTube, but a few times you've seen creators go in front of a live audience, it, it kind of feels almost awkward. It doesn't always feel that natural. So it's quite interesting to think about how even in like the nuance of just what kind of talent are in front of a camera, um, it just plays off differently. Clearly, David Dobrik could mount a one-man talk show from his bedroom and means people watch it, and it would be great. There's like sort of no question. Um, whether, whether you put them in Jimmy Fallon's chair every night for night for the audience, it's just like really interesting to think of the different types of talent that rise out of different um, restrictions. So I guess there'll be sort of new players that will just accelerate trends that have already uh, already been there. To Zach's point about, I mean, Zach, you shoot a lot on your own. You go out and create videos solo, so that won't change that much for you, I imagine. Yeah, I just can't film as many any, as many friends as I want to. <laughs> it's basically yeah. when it comes down to it, obviously in that sense yeah I'm a little just, bit uh, but like just travel and stuff. yeah yeah travel let's talk about travel for a second so that's really interesting so obviously like there are there are documentary crews there are documentary shows that will only ever use local crew that will try and not travel people um, obviously we've all benefited from the luxury that if we want to shoot on the side of the world we hop on a plane with a DSLR and a few batteries um what, what, what are our thoughts there? Do you, do you think it's likely? Could you guys, as a, as a two-person production outfit, could you see yourselves hiring on-the-ground crews in New York to execute execute a shoot that you storyboarded yourselves? Um, I, don't, I haven't even begun to, to even think through what that would be like. Because I guess... Um, I don't know. I, re- I really I don't know. We haven't kind of talked about it as a team to work out what that yeah, looks it would- like be very project specific as well so it's hard to think ahead of something that doesn't exist but definitely um if we haven't already got the stock footage that we've shot that we could use or aren't able to easily access it online then i think i don't know we'd almost want to do it i think like we know people all over the world who are are filmmakers that we love their work so it'd be fun to collaborate on a bigger scale i have a friend who um he he's like a creator runs like um a company that has like several youtube channels um, and he was actually chatting to me about like a kind of at the moment he's shooting literally a worldwide collaboration with like filmmakers uh, that he works with on self-filmed videos, which is probably as much as I'll say about it. <laughs> um, but like, yeah, he's kind of like, I don't know, it's made his reach even bigger. He's collaborating with like filmmakers that he's never been in the same same space as before. So in that sense, I guess, um, yeah, people will that'll be the new way to kind of to work and collaborate we won't be limited to people in our area because mm-hmm. usually like Bolly said our default would be we've got a crew here and we fly them wherever we go uh, and we all go together so we'd completely do the opposite now that would be exciting I think yeah if Zach if you were out in New- if you were out let's, let's drop New York let's say you're the other side of the world and Ollie you're in Brighton how would you guys currently communicate text video call like could you feel like you could execute a shoot without being in the same place at the same time i think whatsapp worked pretty well yeah i think whatsapp does i think there's definitely been times where like zach will go on a shoot and i won't be and i'll be back in the office and we'll pick stuff up and we'll check in with each other but i think that all comes down to just a working together for a long time b having trust in like each other's abilities and knowing that we've talked about it beforehand We've set it up. Everything's kind of lined up. If anything goes wrong, we can troubleshoot it via FaceTime, via WhatsApp, via... Because there's loads of times when we'll catch up and then something's 
missing or something's gone wrong and we have to just kind of adapt and move around with it. So I yeah. think I think we use, I think from our point of view, again, it's, it's a small crew. There's literally two or three of us and it's very, very, very mobile. But again, a big juggernaut with 40, 50 people is just a different beast. So how, how about a bit of a, a bit of a nerdy Blade Runner version? Um, Zach, you know how when you're operating a drone shot, you've got the controls in your hand and the drone's up in the air? If if yeah. there was the, if the technology was in place a year from now that you could be in the UK but you could be operating a camera that's shooting on the other side of the world, um, do you feel like you could do that? Do you feel like you feel that like that would be interesting to be, for example, for, to have someone else launch your, a drone in Australia and you get the shots you need and you're controlling yeah. it from the UK? I think that'd be amazing. I think there's already obviously like a micro scale of that. You have you have um, focus pullers and you have gimbal up to one person steering the gimbal, the other person's you know, moving with the gimbal. So it's, um, yeah, I think you could definitely, um, get the, get the desired outcome from that. Like that. Yeah. Hopefully there'll be tech to make that. That'd be amazing. Yeah. That would I think, be cool. But then equally, what's the difference between doing that and finding a trusted drone operator and being like, we know that you'll get these shots. Here's our storyboard. Um, and send them back when you're done. Exactly, I think I think that's the interesting question. Like you it said, depends the scale you're looking at, obviously. Project by project, isn't it? But, it'd be, but it's interesting to think about. You know, currently you can do it with a drone. There's very little reason why, with the internet, you couldn't do that across the world and say, okay, I really yeah. need to get a drone shot in South Africa. Um, but yeah, whether that's an operator and sort of like a contractor, or whether or not it's done through technology. But it's I think interesting to think about. I think droning is interesting as well because you have got complete control of framing and where that drone is. But then if you're going down to like a handheld thing or you're operating a gimbal from it, there's so much more movement uh, and, and finesse yeah. and feel what's happening and sense the room and see what's happening, work it all out. But I think a drone up in the air, I guess it's no different to like what the US have been doing for years anyway, in terms of from yeah. a military point of view, literally like they're sitting in a little hut somewhere, don't know where they are, with drones above the Middle East this might have to be cut out but you know what I mean it's like still operating <laughs> operating rem- remotely this took a turn yeah sorry that's <laughs> good it's good um, totally I think what, one place where we'll I personally believe we'll only see more technology is on the larger more traditional shoots so obviously we do a lot of work on film sets and those film sets are still you know there's there's some innovation um, obviously there's great camera companies that will build new, you know, new gimbals new types of lights etc but there's very little technology especially very little connection points other than producers on their phones texting each other um very little live link ups between different um you know production hubs and you've still got assistant directors running out to do the job of the director if the director can't be present so i think we'll only see more technology uh, the type of technology you see with game streamers streaming from their bedroom if you could have that out in the field on three or four different crews all shooting at the same time and then have a kind of production hub that's able to see incoming footage, give notes, send it back. You could move much faster. Uh, I think there'll only be, you know, this just kind of accelerates the trends that are already yeah. happening. And I think even even like, I don't even know if this exists, but like a kind of Oculus Rift by where the director's sitting at home or in like a tech room in London and their left eye's seeing what, what the DOP's pumping out and their like right eye's seeing the room. You, there's literally, like you say, there's so many different ways to take it. Yeah, there's, lots, there's lots of changes. I mean, look at already before, obviously, COVID, but shows like The Mandalorian, you know, on Disney Plus, where they're, it looks like they're on location. Actually, the actors, yes, they're usually used to a blue screen, 
but actually the locations are 360 projected onto the set so it actually looks like they're there and also the actors feel like they're there and they can look out the desert and go I feel like I'm on the desert so that could be a change in technology wait 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 wait, wait. tell me what this is I watched it recently I loved it by the way but so that the whole thing is 3D projected behind them onto like a yes. yeah, they're, called, they're called LED stages it's basically like a room uh, I was talking to a friend, uh, shout out now, from Dandelion and Burdock. They do this work. There's an LED stage, which is basically a warehouse where they build the floors and the walls out of what are essentially LED screens. And then they project sort of real-time CGI. So the person in the room kind of knows where they are. But then also the camera is a mixture of what's on the LED screens and also objects in front. It's just like creating a CGI environment, but in real time. Mm-hmm. So whereas in the past you would shoot on a blue screen or a green screen and everything would be done in post. Now it's done in pre-production and you put the actor into the scenario. It's like putting an actor inside of Fortnite. And I love that. So I love that so much. Create it in real time. It's, it's bonkers. But for the actor... Completely different experience. Yeah. So having to face it all, kind of sitting not, Benedict Cumberbatch with a flipping loads of dots on him being a dragon. Not, yeah. just, not just completely different, but it also, and this will be an interesting thing around talent, but it also allows an actor in Los Angeles to get onto a stage in Los Angeles and work directly with a crew, potentially in Tokyo, without them having to be in the same room. Because mm-hmm. essentially, once you're on that LED map stage and you're getting notes through your earpiece, you know, you can imagine it, you suddenly you start to blow the whole thing open in terms of where you have to this whole idea of being on location and shooting a film in one place becomes much more decentralised. Yeah, I mean, mm-hmm. even even coming down to advertising, I mean, most car ads for the last 10 years, the car has been CG, um, whether it's still imagery or, or motion. Um, I think now more than ever that's going to be needed because sometimes it would be you go to the location, you shoot the location, and then in post you added the 3D car. Well, now you might have to do all of it you know from the remote location of the artist's bedroom or whatever it may be to take Mm. this 3d model to take the 3d locations um maybe do something with the led screens like they did with mandalorian but just marrying up tech like that to make it possible where you don't need to travel and you don't need large crews to produce these big orchestrated uh, advertisements or, or film productions Means means the clever guys doing all the CGI are just are winning. It's that it's definitely shifting, isn't it? Yeah. Because the, the the guys with well, the guys and girls on computers just seem to be winning. That sort of seems to be like the, <laughs> you, you, it's hard push to find an industry where the chaps on the laptops, the chaps and ladies, aren't the ones uh, coming up trumps through this kind of period. But again, it's it's accelerating trends, right? It's not creating new ones necessarily. It's just speeding up things that were already happening. CGI was already massively disrupting Hollywood. This just, you know, rapidly advances that because the long gone are the days where, well, it seems like long gone the days where Ridley Scott can demand, you know, 500 extras for a scene. Um, Especially now. Now you paint them in. Mm. Yeah, exactly. Well, I think that's a good place to close and really we should all become CG artists. I think that's the moral of today's episode. (laughs) (laughs) uh, yeah, before we go, um, Ollie, Zach, thank you for coming on. And um, uh, for our listeners' sake, uh, where can they find you on social media? What, where do you want to direct them? Um, yeah, on social media, if you just go um, even.co on Instagram. And then, again, just if you go on weareven.co on, to check out our website. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, guys, um, thank you for coming on. Thanks for chatting about this. Um, to be honest with you some really cool suggestions actually that's going to make me think for the rest of the afternoon so I appreciate that thanks for having us success yeah it's been fun yeah cheers guys thanks very much bye